This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. What's going on, everybody? It's Thursday, August 18th, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco. We have another great episode for you today. Another season preview episode. We're going to look ahead to the Washington Huskies here in 2022. Chris Fetters of Dogman, our 24-7 sports site covering all things Washington Huskies, is going to join me today as well. It's a bit of a turnaround and a rebuild type of season for Washington coming up here in 2022. New head coach, a lot of new things going on for Washington as the ever-changing Pac-12 is on display as well as we go into the fall. So welcome in Chris Fetters. Now, Chris, thanks for joining me, man. And first, I have to start out your fall camp observations here for Washington as they head into a new era under new head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Well, obviously, there's there's so much that changed, you know, with John Donovan getting fired midseason last year, then Jimmy Lake and, and Washington kind of parting ways mutually after a really kind of it was just a mess of a season at the very end they go four and eight immediately start a national search to go try to find a new coach find one in Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State and so he's really kind of tried to instill his culture instill his mindset and and obviously instilling a brand new offense which is going to resemble a little bit more like what people saw with Chris Peterson and his offense and then defensively they're very similar to what they ran under Jimmy Lake and and Pete Kwiatkowski and those defensive coaches but the only major difference is that the nickel they run is a little bit more hybrid safety linebacker instead of the kind of maybe classical corner safety hybrid. So in that sense, there hasn't been a ton that's changed overall, except for obviously when you go through regime change, you obviously expect to see kind of maybe a a new sense of energy, a new enthusiasm and those kinds of things. And we've certainly seen that uh, not only, you know, during the spring football in April, but through about a half dozen uh, practices here so far through fall camp. So my follow-up to that is, you know, what has been the adjustment, excuse me, under Kalen DeBoer going into his first season? What have you noticed that's been different compared to the Jimmy Lake era? Well, I would say for sure, offensively, they brought in some new faces at quarterback and running back specifically to compete and to kind of bring their style of offense up to the, the kind of offense that they want to run. Uh, at quarterback, they brought in a three-year former three-year starter at Indiana and Michael Penix Jr., he, you know, he's a guy that's well known, obviously in Big Ten circles. Probably not as well known out west. Kid that is, is he had a lot of success uh, in Bloomington, but he couldn't stay healthy, and that was kind of the big thing for Penix is that he's got to overcome some injury concerns and things like that. But he's a great fit for DeBoer because him and DeBoer were connected when DeBoer was the offensive coordinator at Indiana in 2019. So there's connections there, and then. At running back, Washington had a ton of running backs coming back for the 2022 season, 
The only problem is they had two of their main guys, Richard Newton and Cameron Davis, were both hurt during spring football. Emeka Megwa, who was a big-time Texas recruit who came up as a freshman, never could get healthy and has since uh, gone through the transfer portal. So they already miss out a number of guys. They they had a couple graduate in Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant. So this thing was really starting to get overhauled in a big way. And then Ryan Grubb and Lee Marks, the running backs coach, brought in a transfer from New Mexico and Aaron Dumas. And then midway through uh, spring ball, they actually were able to get the signatures of two other transfers, one from Virginia in Wayne Telepapa and then one from Nebraska in Will Nixon. So there's a ton of new names in the running back room, already seeing that those transfer guys are starting to make an impact, would expect to see a lot of those guys play this fall. You know, but other than that, in terms of major changes offensively, you're going to see a lot more in terms of scheme and philosophy from them. Like I said earlier, probably it's going to look to the casual Washington fan as something that Chris Peterson would have run more than what they saw under John Donovan and Jimmy Lake. So speaking of Michael Penix Jr., you just mentioned him, the Indiana quarterback, or the former Indiana quarterback, rather, who just transferred in this season. As he, as you said, he was banged up with injuries and struggles over the last year plus after a pretty good 2020 campaign for the Hoosiers. So what have been your biggest impressions of Penix Jr.? And does he have a firm grab on that starting quarterback position for the fall? Well, initial impressions is that clearly he's a veteran. He 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 knew how to jump right into practice. He understood the drills. He understood what was being asked of him. He came in and like if if you were a Washington fan and you didn't know anything about Michael Penix, you would have thought that he had been there for a few years already. He just kind of fit in with the other two quarterbacks that are in the middle of that competition, Dylan Morris and Sam Heward. They all all three of them have been competing heavily for that position. But that was the first thing that stood out was that he just kind of fit in right away, and it there was very little drop off. In terms of trying to bring in a new quarterback with a new system, a new understanding, I think the only thing that he probably had to learn right away that was kind of foreign to him would would have been the terminology. So that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. And in terms of the actual competition itself, we really feel like Penix is probably slightly ahead of both Heward and and Dylan Morris. That said, Kalen DeBoer has been on record from from day one as saying that they're going to go through this full full competition. They're not going to name a starter. They've, they've gone through about a week of uh, a practice already. All three of them have had moments where they've really stood out and they've also had moments where they haven't played as well. But that being said, if I had to pick a starter today, I do think it would be Penix. I'm interested now on the defensive side of things. You know, Washington is very, very known for producing a lot of great defensive backs. Now, I have a few names to rattle off here for you. You know, you mentioned Devon Banks, uh, Elijah Jackson, among others. I mean, you, I, I believe I went to uh, one of your recent observation pieces on uh, Dogman, of course, and you mentioned how the competition for that cornerback spot is probably one of the best on the team. What, what, what are your uh, big impressions of that position group going into 2022? Yeah, the biggest thing, obviously, they're having to replace a couple of really big-time guys in Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. Both those guys getting drafted very, very high in this last NFL draft. You know, as you said, Washington has had a reputation recently, especially under Jimmy Lake, to uh, have a lot of those defensive backs go pro. You know, Abuda Baker, um, you know, Sidney Jones, uh, Kevin King, uh, you know, Keith Taylor now doing his thing at Carolina. So he's had a number of guys go through Taylor Rapp with the LA Rams. So Who's the next in line? Well, you know, they they had a few guys that you mentioned, Devon Banks and Elijah, uh, Elijah Jackson. They brought in a transfer from UC Davis by the name of Jordan Perryman, and he's been a, a really, really bright spot for them so far. He, he brings a lot of swagger to the position, a lot of attitude. His 
one-on-one battles with receiver Roma Dunze have been phenomenal to watch all fall camp so far. Uh, I expect Jordan Perryman to be one of those starting cornerbacks. The other side, you look at Banks, you look at Jackson, but I think the guy that probably has the inside edge to that other corner spot right now would be Michelle Powell. He's a former walk-on from O'Day right here in downtown Seattle, and he came in and immediately wowed the coaches with his work ethic and approach, got better, got bigger, stronger, faster, and now he's on scholarship. And so I think those two guys, Perryman and Powell, are probably the ones that you'll see at, at corner and then at safety. They've got a ton of veteran guys coming back. Probably the biggest names would be uh, Alex Cook and then Asa Turner, Cameron Williams, and then Julius Irvin. All four of those guys have had starts under their belts in their Washington careers, have had a lot of reps and a lot of turns under their belts. The, I think the the DB coach, Julius Brown, as well as the safety coach, Coach Morrell, I think those guys are going to get rotated a little bit depending on what they're looking for. And then they have that Husky position, that nickel position I was talking about earlier, where it's more of a hybrid safety linebacker. And you've got Dominique Campton, who's a very imposing kid, about 6'2", 6'3", about 215 one of the fastest uh, defensive backs on the team. He's going to be an imposing presence. And then you also have uh, Cameron Fabikalanen, who is another kid who's very, very smart, real rangy kid. They're going to get a lot out of that position too. So I think the secondary is in good shape going forward. They are having to replace some marquee names in Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon, but I think they've got a number of guys that should be able to rise to the challenge this fall. So we'll step aside and take a quick break. And on the other side, we will talk about Washington more as a whole and the future of them in the Pac-12 and other things going on with the program. Keep it locked here. This is the College Football Daily on 24-7 Sports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. So, Chris, I was interested in what the future and basically the vibe is right now of Washington. Of course, Kalen DeBoer takes over as a first-year head coach. Either that leads to instant successes or sometimes it's a couple years of a, of a uh, rebuilding process. But Washington has not made a bowl game since 2019. We all know the COVID season. You kind of throw out the window 3-1 and one that year, denied a bid to a bowl game, among other things. And, of course, 2021, a down year. You know, what what, what is that vibe right now around the Husky football program? Yeah, it was tough in 2020 because they had made that, champ- that Pac-12 championship game but then couldn't play in it due to COVID. And so Oregon ended up playing in it. They beat USC, ended up uh, you know, representing the Pac-12. So th- that was a bit of a rough stretch, obviously, for Washington. And then this last year with Jimmy Lake trying to install a brand new offense, going four and eight, the, you know, he, he, he 
ends up leaving. John Donovan gets fired. There's so many pieces to that thing that really fell apart at the end of the season. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, I think it, it, the confidence obviously was very low going in, but I think they got the right man in Kalen DeBoer because he's shown that he can build a program back up. He started at Sioux Falls, and I think his record was pretty ridiculous, like 67-3 and three or 69-3 and three or something. They, he was winning national championships there, and then he he uh, went around a little bit as an offensive coordinator to places we talked about in Indiana. Uh, I think Eastern Michigan was another place. He, he he's he's done some his work. He's he's put in the work to get to this point. And then the last two seasons at Fresno State, he's certainly shown that he can build a program and really take it to where he wants to go. So I think everybody is cautiously optimistic at Washington that they've got the right man for the job. I think they were looking for a guy that had kind of a Chris Peterson vibe about him, a guy that can build a program, do it the right way, uh, do it positively with reinforcement. And, and I think they found the right guy. But again, last year they started the season by losing to Montana. They, their season opener right now in, in is September 3rd against Kent State. As everybody knows nationally, you don't you, you don't sleep on the MAC teams. Those guys can come up and bite you at any time. So they know they've got a lot ahead of them. You know, they, they play Kent State, then they play Portland State, but then they've also got to host Michigan State third game of the season. That's a marquee game, not just for this program, but for the entire Pac-12, especially what's going on right now with realignment, everything like that. The, the West Coast football needs to start uh, making a statement that they can compete with the rest of the country. This is going to be one of the marquee games along with Utah, Florida. You've got Georgia, uh, Oregon. You've got a lot of different pro, uh, games that are coming up and, and Washington and Michigan State is going to be another one of those games where Kalen DeBoer can really kind of put his imprint on things and put his stamp on this stuff early to kind of tell people we're ready to go, we're ready to roll. Four and eight was not representative of what Washington was last year. They've got the talent not only to go bowling, but maybe even to try to win a Pac-12 title. Before we dive into your season prediction, Chris Fetters with me, of course, on the College Football Daily of Dogman, our 24-7 sports site covering all things Washington. I'm interested in the future of the Pac-12. As you mentioned, how there's a lot of buzz, of course, about realignment. We know USC and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten in just two years from now. What's the future of Washington hold? I mean, do you think they would be one of those teams to join the Big Ten, Big 12, or part of a new Pac-12 moving forward at, at, at some point whenever the Congress decides to say, you know what, this, this is X, Y, and Z. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> what day of the week is it? Because it, it, it changes by the day. It feels like I think initially when USC and UCLA were announced going to the to the Big Ten in 2024, I think a lot of people the the instant reaction was the Big Ten was probably going to keep trying to go out west a little bit to try to find some partners for the LA schools. Washington and Oregon seemed to fit that particular mo strongly, but then everything kind of stopped. I think everybody was kind of waiting for Notre Dame to try to see what they were going to do, and then now all of a sudden it sounds like ESPN is not going to be a part of the the Big Ten anymore at all in the future in terms of broadcasting. So there's so many different parts going on. You know, there's also the Big 12. They're trying to get a piece of it. There was that kind of little tete-a-tete between Brett Yormark of the Big 12 and then obviously George Klyavkov of the of the, of the Pac-10 or Pac-12 trying to kind of uh, trade barbs a little bit during their media days and and talking about kind of cannibalizing their own, their, you know, these, these other conferences to try to make their own thing work. Right now, I think if you're Washington and Oregon, it feels like you're kind of linked at the hip. 
in terms of these media rights, I don't think they're going to sign long-term deals. I think they're going to try to find some some lucrative short-term deals where streaming plays into any of this. I don't know. Do you bring in an Amazon? Do you bring in an Apple? I think the West Coast has a lot of, of things going forward in that regard. The fact that ESPN now might play a bigger part in what happens in the West Coast, that could that could be a factor too, because the one thing that the West Coast does have is they do have that marquee game for Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights. They have that time slot that no one else in the country has. So if if they can if they can really maximize their opportunities with those TV slots, they might be able to get something a little bit. But right now, I, I don't I don't see any Pac-12 team, especially Washington or Oregon, signing away their grant of rides for any long term long period of time. I don't really see them you know, really going for a long-term media deal at this point. I think they're just going to sit back and wait a little bit, see if the Big Ten wants to continue to add teams. If they do, I think Oregon and Washington could be right there at the top of the list of teams that they want to add. But at this point, who knows? So to finish this off, Chris, you know, we'll, we'll go back to the current time, okay, the present day, 2022. Washington in 2022, first year under Kalen DeBoer. Your season prediction, how does this Washington Huskies team finish this fall? Well, they should be able to win the first two games, and they they should be able to get off to a decent start. The Michigan State game, again, a real bellwether game. If they can win that game, you know, then they've got Stanford right after that. They could really go on a little bit of a run. Um, they do have a couple tough games. Obviously, they 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 play Oregon. You know, the, the game against Washington State, the Apple Cup, is going to be no pushover, especially in Pullman right after Thanksgiving, especially the way Washington State really beat Washington like a drum last year. So I know there's probably some sore feelings there. I think, to be honest with you, I think that they're going to be bowl eligible. But again, going from four and eight, you know, how big of a turnaround can you possibly expect? I, I think, honestly, seven and five would be really, really good. If they go eight and four, that would be phenomenal. But I do think they'll definitely become bowl eligible. We'll leave it at that. Chris Fetters of Dogman joining me here on the College Football Daily. Chris, where can everybody find you and, of course, the site on social media? Yeah, uh, my name is Chris Fetters. So I'm Chris underscore Fetters, F E T T E R S, on Twitter. And obviously, you can find us at dogman.com on the 24 7 Sports Network, D A W G M A N.com. As they say, the Huskies might have some of that dog in them, and hopefully, they have it this year in 2022. Chris, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much, Nick. Chris Fetters with me on the College Football Daily. And well, yeah, I, mean, I can't believe what we're going to see here in 2022, a basically a new Pac-12 in the future, but in the current time, maybe a new Washington team, and maybe they'll get back to owning the Pac-12 or being near the top of the Pac-12 as well moving forward under Kalen DeBoer. It'll be a fascinating team to watch uh, this coming season. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe the show on YouTube, on our 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Be sure to share the channel as well, and be sure to like, share, and download wherever you get your podcasts as well if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NickCosco59. Of course, follow us on social media as well at 247 Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Once again, it's Thursday, August 18th. This has been your Washington season preview here on the College Football Daily. I'm Nick Costco for 247 Sports. Docu-series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.